today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what, this, what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. Lots of Merry Christmases uh, today in this uh, service, but Merry Christmas once again. Why don't we just take one or two minutes to look to neighbors next to us and behind us in front of us and say Merry Christmas. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't tell them I would do this and this is not to embarrass them, but today um, one of our elders' parents are here. I just wanted to recognize them. Our elder Jubin, both of his parents are here. Can we just kind of raise your hand or say hello? There you go. Let's, let's. Elder Jubin is such a generous and good person, and uh, yeah, <laughs> he is. I don't know why everybody's laughing. Is this a joke? Am I joking? Oh, okay. But um, yeah, thank you for, for raising such a good son. And because of him, you know, our congregation is where they are. Um, God really has used them powerfully. And today we talk about um, sons and fathers and genealogy and lineage. Uh, but before that, what's the first thing that we think about when we say Merry Christmas? The first thing, of course, is Santa Claus. No, <laughs> no, Santa Claus. So, it's like seriously, sometimes it's Santa Claus. Uh, I just want to start out by saying Santa Claus is not the source of the commercialization of Christmas. When I was a kid, and this is, this is uh, just a hint or just some advice for all you parents or would-be parents. When I was a kid, I knew Santa Claus wasn't real. As soon, I was, as soon as I was cognitive that there is someone playing Santa Claus. Just like, oh, there is a person named Santa Claus. He's not real. I knew that. Um, I remember... When I was in elementary school, uh, the teacher would be excited, it's Christmas, Santa Claus is coming, and someone in the class yelled out, Santa Claus isn't real. And I was like, shut up. It's going to ruin Christmas for me. 
because I knew he wasn't real, but the reason why I didn't tell my parents until maybe I was in the, at the end of elementary school, I'm sure my sister and I collaborated not to tell our parents, is because we wanted two gifts, one from Santa and one from my parents. And I remember, because uh, I'm a light sleeper, I remember my parents snuck into our bedroom once and then put the gifts behind our head. And I don't know why they did that instead of the tree that year, but they did. And I woke up. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, shh, it's okay. This is a dream. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I, I had to go along. Oh, dream, okay. Because <laughs> I wanted the gift. Um, as far as I knew, as far as I can remember, there was no Santa. Santa Claus was not real. But I wanted the gift, one from my folks, one from Santa Claus. And this is um, the most recent Wall Street Journal uh, article on Christmas. There's a mom named Renee Jerkins. And her 12-year-old daughter peeked at her Amazon account and approached her to say that she preferred a different color of hairbands than the one in her Amazon cart. Her 10-year-old son politely suggested she look for a drone which wasn't in her viewing history. They know. You guys, kids know. Um, when we're tiny little babies, the babies are deathly afraid of Santa Claus because even if we're not cognitive of what Santa Claus is or what he stands for, we know this person's fake. Everybody just knows. But why are we faking it? Because we like the gifts. There's another mother named Bethany Howell. And while she was sleeping on the couch last week, she was sleeping on the couch, her daughter Ashland. Her daughter is six years old. She took her mother's phone, used her mother's thumb to unlock her phone and the Amazon app, bought $250 worth of things, and told her that she shopped for all her Christmas presents on Amazon. Six years old. Um, this is just a little heads up to all our parents out there. They know. They know. They just want the gifts. And she was so proud of herself. I bought my own gift. And the mother couldn't, could, they, they couldn't communicate why this wasn't a good thing. But I got to say, the idea of gift giving and Santa Claus, we can say, oh, it goes back to St. Nick or St. Nicholas in the 4th century. But this... St. Nicholas, who gave gifts, weren't just giving gifts for the sake of giving gifts. They didn't just give gifts to the people they liked. The idea was to give gifts to the less fortunate. The idea of St. Nicholas was to give gifts to the less fortunate. But the idea of gift giving has evolved over the last 200 years it's been existence. Last 200 years, it's been existence. And it's become more and more commercialized and privatized. And by that, I mean commercialized. Companies have tapped in to a deep longing in the human soul. We want to be filled. We want to be fulfilled because we are spiritually hungry. And what we can do now is we can make this allure that if you have this certain item, it will satisfy that longing. And that's commercialization. 
It's been privatized because in Christmas, for the last 200 years, you don't just go to your neighbors. That's not the kind of season. You don't go to neighbors that you might not know that well and be like, let's hang out. You stay with your close friends and family. But this is the thing about Christmas that we should be familiar with, that we need to be reminded of. The real gift, the real gift is something that can actually fulfill the deep longing in the human soul. And we all have it. But it just so happens this real gift wasn't just private. It wasn't commercialized. It wasn't private, but it stretched out out of its comfort zone to reach a people that were unfamiliar. And dare I say it, they weren't just unfamiliar. The Bible calls us the enemies of God. Jesus is the real gift. He is the reason for the season. He is why, instead of a sigh or death and goodbye, we can aptly give God on high praise because we were bone dry, dissatisfied, and mystified by the world that didn't buy our oversupply of this tough guy. Realizing we were too preoccupied to even have a chance to survive, he came down only to be vilified, murdered, and crucified, while others turned a blind eye. But there was no lullaby. He rose again and solidified our place with him. No more then are we disqualified, but now unified with our new battle cry. This is the church gathered and scattered to glorify the true gift, our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> there you have it. Thank you. Every single part in the Bible points to Jesus because from the beginning of man, we had this deep longing and we tried to fill it with something else. We did. Let's be honest. I longed for this fulfilling in my soul. And every time I get a gift, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it will fill a little bit of it. But every time I put my faith, my hope, and my love in these things, it did not only not satisfy, it didn't only come short, but it left me emptier and emptier and emptier. That is why when we look in Genesis, and if you haven't been doing Genesis with us, I'm just going to review some one thing, just one thing, Jacob's ladder, or as Pastor Esther said, the first stairway to heaven, Jacob's ladder was Jacob was having a dream. And Jacob was longing for something, wasn't he? He didn't get fulfilled by his parents. He didn't get fulfilled by his relationship with his brother. He wanted to be blessed, but he was cursed. And he had this deep longing that was unfulfilled. And he has this dream, and it's Jacob's ladder. And he sees this ladder, and on this ladder, angels are ascending and descending from heaven. What's the ladder? Jesus Christ comes into the world. And in John chapter 1, the very first chapter, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
Jesus is Jacob's ladder. Jesus was the one Jacob was longing for. Jesus is the reason for the season. That's why when we say Merry Christmas, not just Merry Merry, Merry Christmas, there's a deep, profound longing that needed to be fulfilled and it is being fulfilled. That's Christmas. Wow. Even Jacob's ladder. In today's passage, we see David mentioned twice. Why is David an important figure? What's up with David? Why don't you just say the son of God? Why is it so important that we know our genealogy? Why is it so important that we know our parents and the parents before us and the parents before them? You know, as I get older, I see when really troubled and tough and stressful situations come up, I am my parents. I default to my parents. When I give uh, a scolding to someone younger, a youth group student, or someone like that, I see my father in me scolding them the same way my father scolded me. Why is genealogy so important? And I want to put, I have some slides prepared for us today. I want to go over this teaching with you, if we could put that up. And this is the genealogy of Jesus. Do we have it? Yes, excellent. And this is found in Luke chapter 3, just two chapters after the verses we read. But it's also found on Genesis chapter 5. We did a teaching on Genesis chapter 5, but I kind of want to go through that. And in Genesis chapter 5, there is just a genealogy. And we wondered, why would God put a genealogy in the middle of Genesis where he's talking about the beginning of humankind. So I'm going to go to the next slide. And these are the names that have been put out in Genesis chapter 5. You could also find it in the end of Luke chapter 3. And we have Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. Almost random. But it's all there. They are the names. So what I did was I decided to do... I decided to nerd out a little bit and do a little word study, find out what it means in Hebrew. Some of these words are ancient, so I had to dig pretty deep. But, you know, today Google is our friend, and Google helps a lot. But there's also resources that you learn in seminary, like the BDB. You find the roots and things like that. So uh, without going into too much detail, let's go to the first one, Adam. Adam was the first man, was the first human being. So Adam means man. It means dirt, but it means man. So we have Adam, which means man up there. And the line that went wasn't Cain or Abel, it was Seth. And Seth could either mean sheyeth, which means to put on, or sheath, which means to ruin or devastating storm. But we look in Luke chapter 3, it's Seth, which means appointed. So Seth means appointed. Enosh means being human or being mortal. So we're just going to put mortal up there. Uh, the next verse is kenin. And kyinne can be formed into a feminine noun, kyinna, which denotes kind of a sad poem, a dirge or a lamentation. The ver and it, this word is used in 2 Chronicles 35.25. I'm just I'm just saying all these things because I want to show you. I'm not making this up, right? This is, this is real stuff. 
Uh, Jeremiah 7.29, the verb, the derived verb denotes a chanting of that dirge. It's in 2 Samuel, Jeremiah again. And it brings into mind uh, sadness or deep, not just sorrow, but deep, deep sorrow. So let's put that up there, sorrow. A lot of us like halal food. Uh, that is when we get chicken and rice in 53rd and 6th and uh, Manhattan. But you should know halal means praise and L means God. So when we put mahalal L, what we are saying is this is the God that is to be praised or the blessed God. So we have the blessed God. Then we have Jared. <clears throat> Nothing to do with Subway because this was before that. And Jared or Yerud is a very common verb. And it means to downward, it's a downward motion. It's, it's expressing a downward motion or decline or a descend to go someplace lower or to sink into something, etc. And it could also mean which also means to have rule or dominion. But it means to descend or shall come down. <clears throat> Enosh, Enoch, sorry, Enoch, and uh, has to do with the mouth. And the super root, it pops up in all these cognitive languages, but it, this is what we are extracting from it. It's in Job 29, 10, Proverbs 5, 3, and the word mouth comes from pe. And all these things means to inaugurate, to train, or dedicate um, in the BDB, it says that this is how uh, they got the, the midwives would get their little children's mouths stronger. They would put like chewed dates in their mouth so they can um, strengthen their mouths. And um, it could teach them how to suck so they can, you know, get their milk better and all these things. But it really has this connotation of teaching or training. So teaching. Methuselah. Mat means man. And mat also define, specifically denotes a man capable of combat. But it's a man. And mut is a meaning that has been put together. It means to die or to kill. And it's quite ubiquitous in scriptures. The Canaanites use this name as a word for their god of death and the underworld. Right? And so uh, it means to die and uh, when you put Methuselah together it means the death shall bring or his death shall bring. Lamech occurs very much in uh, the, the Bible in words like makakak and muk and all these kind of the verbs but it's also uh, has this connotation and meaning of being humiliated or being low, or the people that are despairing. And finally, Noah, which is, also, which is uh, defined in Genesis chapter 5, means rest. This is Genesis chapter 5. This is the genealogy. And if you put that together, what you would see is man-appointed mortal sorrow. For the blessed God shall come down teaching. And Jesus did. And Lucas says he taught in the temple courts every day. That defined his life here on earth. And his death shall bring the despairing rest.
Genesis chapter 5. That's genealogy. Whether we know it or not, we have been waiting, all of man, all of humankind, we've been waiting. And the reason why Christmas is so amazing is because Jesus is the fulfillment of the longing we've had ever since we could remember. And we could take that off the screen. Thank you. Jesus is the real gift. That's why we can say Merry Christmas. That's why we can celebrate with one another and say Merry Christmas. Finally, we can have our fulfillment. So today, as we remember, as we commemorate, as we celebrate, remember this, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the real gift. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that on this day we can celebrate you. We can celebrate the deepest longing that we've had being fulfilled instead of being emptied and emptied of the things as we try to look in this world. You have given us this incredible, incredible gift so that we can be more and more filled. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus Christ, and we celebrate you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.